Well, we are back with another round of Black Lodge, White Lodge, round two of game three. Mels, should we catch everybody up on who we've still got in this round? Yes, yes. Okay, so unfortunately we did lose Sheriff Dylan last go around, but we still have A.A. Ron in the game, John, Dave the Hater, and Agent Ivy. Woo, that is a stacked crowd. I say we get right into this. Let's spin that wheel. Let's see what's gonna happen on round two. Here we go, here we go. Oh my goodness. Look at that name. All right. Agent Ivy, you asked Mike to show you that trick where he waves his arms just so and then is able to chat with people outside the lodge. It buys you some time and you move on to the next round. Woo, way to go, Ivy. Yeah. All right, here we go again, here we go again. We're down to three people. What's gonna happen? All right. So, Dave the Hater. Ponette Rolaski warns you that her mother is coming, so you'd better hurry up and get out of her room. Now, you've had plenty of experience evading parents and managed to hide on the small balcony outside, and you're on to the next round, sir. Way to go, Dave the Hater. Woo! All right, down to the final two for this round. Spin that Ooh. wheel. Ooh, Sweat. It's a nail biter. All right. Okay, A.A. Ron. You whisper something to Agent Cooper and then scream. An unseen force pulls you away. Where to? The next round. Whoa, way to go. But unfortunately, that does mean John... When the evolution of the arm asks what you think of their new form, you stumble over your backwards words and make a total fool of yourself. Oh, you got the boot to non-existent. Come back soon, John. Come back soon and try yes. again. Please do, please do. Oh, John. Well, that means we are down to three players. We've got another round to play next week. So we'll see you then for Black Lodge, yes. White Lodge. Bye-bye. I have no idea where this will lead us, but I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. I'll see you again shortly. Have yours meanwhile. Coming to you live and electrified, I'm Jasmine. And acting weird as shit, I'm Mel's. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week we're covering The Return Part 5, sometimes known as Case Files, or as we're calling it, The Fucks Are At It Again! Listeners, what's on your mind tonight? I mean, you know we're going to tell you what's on ours. So grab some huckleberry extract and let's rock. This episode first aired on June 4th, 2017. It was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch and directed by David Lynch. Yes, as always, directed by David Lynch. Yeah, everyone. (laughs) Every single one. (laughs) 
But I still like saying it because I like the timestamp. I don't know. I whatever. It's fun. oh, it's perfect. I love it. Well, you love our intro. What did you think of this episode? What did you think of part uh, five? Well, you know, I loved it. What did I love most about part five? I, I think I. No, I don't think. I know I've said I'm getting more into Dougie. So I'm starting to kind of pay a little more attention to Dougie and Sunny Jim and like kind of like what's happening with Dougie in these certain moments. And again, I'm glad that I'm doing that because I the first time through, I just was so hyper focused on when Cooper is coming back that I probably didn't give Dougie the due that he needed. So I'm glad that I'm doing that this time around. And there were some really just good moments with Dougie, even though he doesn't really talk, you know, just like um, Kyle McLaughlin. I, I think it takes him playing a character like Dougie for you to realize that he's got great expressive like range mm. as as well. Like his yeah, and that that sounds probably kind of crazy because I'm sure some people are like, but Dougie kind of has that dumb look on his face a lot, which is true. But there's a lot going on in the, like, you can tell that a lot of thinking is going on, but that the input is going on, the output just can't happen yet. You know what I mean? So, But it's like, even um, if there's not that much happening on Dougie's face, which I think there is, you can still tell his facial expression range because of Mr. C and then because of Cooper and then because of Mr. D. I mean, it's all there. Yeah. 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 So, um... I was just really into the the Dougie stuff and obviously was very happy to see some characters, um, first introductions and things during this episode. So, I mean, it's just, it's just so good all the way around. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, obviously I still love it. I think it's my least favorite so far though. I don't know. It's interesting to see how these parts sort of keep evolving, like as we move through You know, I mentioned this last week, like the first three parts felt like they were a little bit more magical in the like Red Room and Mauve Zone type of ways, whereas part four had that like more mundane kind of magic to it, more classic Twin Peaks vibes. And then part five, I feel like brings everything together and it feels like it's a little bit of a setup episode. But even in Twin Peaks, the return setup episodes are like far and above most setup episodes like it's still an excellent a plus hour of television but it just like looking at it from this angle for kind of really the first time because last time we covered the return we were doing it in twos right so there was never yeah. really an o- or an opportunity to break it this far down so yeah i don't know but it's great i mean we're back at the double r like yeah. Dougie does something seemingly of his own accord, which is super interesting. Like, there's a lot of important stuff happening here. I just think the first four, I don't know, they spoke to me a little bit more, basically. Well, I do have some damn fine facts this week. So, all right. I know. Yes. I know. So, <laughs> first up, the band playing at the Roadhouse is called Trouble. And this band was actually put together. 
for Twin Peaks. And this song was written for this episode, which I think is pretty interesting. It's called Trouble. We're getting the introduction of a pretty troublesome character, you might say. Mm -hmm. And just the song itself, I feel like, was so perfectly written for that scene. I mean, it makes sense that this was all constructed for the episode. And not only that, the guy on guitar is Riley Lynch, so David's son, the second time that we've had a uh, spawn of Lynch on the show. I remember you telling me this like the first time through and yeah. it just blew me away that, but I, I think now that I moved through um, the return. Okay. This is probably going to sound really weird, but like, I like David Lynch films, but that's Twin super Peaks weird. A, I know. Right. <laughs> Twin Peaks is very Lynch, but it feels different than these, like, movies, one-off movies that we get from him, right? So I didn't realize, I think, all the layers to David Lynch until I actually went through all of Twin Peaks and started to realize, like, musically, artistically, um, all of these different layers to David Lynch. And so... When you find out things like he's construct, like he's had a band constructed with an original, completely original song that is directly linked to what is happening, like in that moment, it's not just, uh, you know, a song that happens to already exist that fits perfectly in a scene. Like this was all constructed for that. It just adds to like the beauty that is David Lynch, in my totally. opinion. Right? Yeah. Like it just, I mean, it elevates television in. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, yeah, and that's why yeah. I love it so, so much is because, and I'm sh- he's probably not the pers- first person to ever, like, have a song or something, like, written and done for, but it's just the way that everything is for a reason, everything is for a purpose, mm-hmm. it's intentional, it's so meant to be on. this way. Yes, and that's, that's what elevates it past, like, Celine Dion writing My Heart Will Go On for Titanic. <laughs> yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. I totally know what yeah. you mean. <laughs> um, okay, so just one one other damn fine fact for this week. The actor Bob Stevenson, who plays the green tea latte-loving Frank, also played a cook in the double R back in season one, but I guess he was uncredited for that role. So I kind of want to know if it's the same character. Like Frank moved from Twin Peaks to Las Vegas, <laughs> got a job at Lucky Seven. It has to be. I mean, I think and we should I won't make it accept it for canon. anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, check, that's check, it. Done, done. Boom, boom. That is Frank, former cook at the Double R, everybody. Yep. <laughs> and he likes green tea lattes. That's it. <laughs> that's all we know about him, but that's all we need to know, frankly. We don't need anything else. No. That's right. All right, let's dive into this episode. So we're going to kick things off in Rancho Rosa, where the two men we saw trying to kill Cooper in part three are reporting to Lorraine that Dougie's car hasn't moved. And Lorraine is very stressed. Like, I'm talking very stressed. And she sort of hesitantly sends a text that then causes a random black box to flash little red lights. Wow, Lorraine, you're going to need some serum for the breakouts that are coming, honey. You are stressed. I mean, it looks like she already has like a bruise on her face or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling bad for Lorraine. They say she's a worrier, and that's an understatement. (laughs) Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, aside from the fact that she's 
jittery and obviously does not want to have to text this random box or whatever she's doing. Connect to it, transmit to it, because I and I feel like we might have talked about this the first time around, but I still have this thought in my mind that because I, I wrote, is this a BlackBerry or is this a T193 or whatever those <laughs> uh, scientific calculators were that we had to use? Okay. Yeah. Like, it looks like I'm fixing a plot, a Y and an X axis when she puts in Argent 2. Okay. Like, or how about this? Like, back in the day, if you didn't want to get your notes taken by the teacher that you would write in class, what we would do is get smart and we would type on the calculator mm-hmm. and be like, oh, can I borrow your calculator? But it would really be a secret message. I mean, how much did you know how to write on those calculators? Because I feel like the only thing I knew how to write was boobs. <laughs> and hello. Well, okay. No. Hello, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> hello, boobs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Okay, there was a function, something, and it would switch over to a keyboard. And then you could, like, write stuff. I swear I'm not making this up. But this You have rich people calculators. <laughs> no, girl. Okay. That, no. But we figured out a way somehow, Amazing. you know, listen, you went through all the phases in high school. You went for, like, teachers caught on to the notes, right? Like, you would get caught passing the notes. Then we all thought we'd be cool and like just have those spiral bound notebooks that we would just write and then we'd hand them off in between class. Yes. And then we would just go the next page and write our response. Mm -hmm. But then teachers got hip to that and they would take the notebooks. I I mean, I'm probably telling secrets now, but I don't know if any of my former teachers are listening, but we did pass notes on the calculator. Probably why I didn't pass math. (laughs) Wait, do you think probably why I don't math? Yeah. Maybe because we were too, well, I was too busy writing hello boobs. You had full (laughs) conversations. (laughs) I was given directions to the Dairy Queen. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I mean, just silly stuff. So anyway, but it still to this day makes me think about like, is she, is she on a calculator? Which would be be funny because. Is it not a BlackBerry? I guess so. Yeah, I, I guess. But I, I got into this crazy like thing in my head. I was like, no, she's like on a secret like calculator machine, calculator machine. Yes, I word very mm. well. A calculator machine. Um, And she's like starting a transmission to Argentina. And anyway, and then I just have two beeps, which I think is funny because it's like <laughs> two rides. I was like, two beeps. Ooh, the box <laughs> gives two beeps. <laughs> I'll bet it did. I bet it. Well, okay, <sighs> let's let's talk about this text or this transmission or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it says Argent 2. The 2 maybe could be the amount of times that it made this box flash, I guess. I don't really know the other significance of what 2 would be. But I do know that Argent in French means silver, silver Mustang, <gasps> uh, which is also maybe a white horse, but... You know, not quite, but I mean, then we also have like, you know, the running theme of the color gold, silver is kind of maybe would be the opposite there. Uh, Argent does also mean money, though, so could also be short for Argentina. Well, here I am thinking that she's transmitting down to Argentina. So you can scratch everything that I just said. Well, but I mean, Argent (laughs) could just be short for Argentina. Like it could be as simple as that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's head over to the Buckhorn Morgue where Constance is working on her tight five, but it's a pretty tough crowd in there today. 
You know, they're <laughs> actually just more interested in what was found inside this man's stomach. So, you know. Yeah, I can't believe they're not into the headline. Uh, what a bunch of losers. Constance is so great. Like, <laughs> I love her. Okay. Such a great addition to this cast. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that no one appreciates her. Like, I don't love that, but I love it because it just fits. You know yes. what I mean? Like, 100%. It would just make sense that no one would appreciate a, a medical examiner with this type of, of humor. Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But the real headline here, of course, is that there was a <laughs> ring inside this man's stomach that is inscribed with to Dougie with love, Janie E. So, yeah. How the fuck these things are connected, I am not sure, but me either. Listen, I, I'll be honest, I forgot. I I I knew I what was in there. I had this ring. But well, I knew that there was something in there, but it's still, yeah, I forgot that it was a ring and I forgot that it was Dougie's. And now I'm like, wait a minute, what? How why and who, what, when, where, and why? Yeah, I need all the Precisely. W's covered here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, over to the prison where Mr. C is, and he's somehow tapped in enough to his surroundings to know that food is coming, but he couldn't quite tell if an evil spirit was still kicking it inside him. Listen, I wrote in my notes, not Mr. C being clairvoyant. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think about was um, Miss Cleo. I was like, well, you know the food is coming, but you had to. <laughs> we have already disparaged Miss Cleo on this podcast, I believe. I know. I'm sorry, Miss <laughs> Cleo. I'm so sorry. I grew up. She's a staple in our lives. Like, we yeah. grew up with her. I wanted to call her all the time. I never, <sighs> my, my parents would never too let expensive. me do it. Too expensive. Too much of a wild card. Uh, also, why would a preteen need to call Miss Cleo? Like or your future what are we doing needs. here? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, can you tell me what's on the menu for lunch tomorrow, Miss Cleo? Um, but yeah, I was like, not him being clairvoyant, and then also needing to check in with Bob. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I always go back and forth on this because I think it's great that we get to see you know, what is ostensibly sort of Frank Silva's face uh, photoshopped onto Kyle McLaughlin's face, a la Laura on Donna, but way better. But much better. Right. So it's like, are they showing off that, you know, technology has gotten better and they actually know what they're doing? I've always kind of felt like, is it for the audience to understand a little bit like, Yes, Bob is still here. This is still what's happening. It's not necessarily Lynch and Frost handing us something on a silver platter. Like, to me, it's not like the time uh, in part three, like we talked about with Talking Backwards, when Jade says you can go out now and we get that flash of Laura Palmer, just like, just in case you fucking forgot. Like, I don't think it's like that, but it 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 feels like it's supposed to be like this reassuring is not the right word but you know what I mean when I use that like it's supposed to further establish or yeah sure yeah I think so and I mean I and we've talked about this too one thing that we love is that David Lynch does not feed into like fan nostalgia like he's really not here for that and I really love that about him but at the same time this kind of feels a little bit like that in a way of I don't want to say if you're not familiar with it because I yeah. I want to say that but then I want to say but how do you even know what's going on because we don't get enough of the backstory 
for you to even have understood what those flashes and what that would have exactly. meant, to my opinion. Yeah. yeah. So is it just a little, I'm talking about a little sprinkle of like, all right, here you go. Here's some Frank Silva for you. We And yes, we did up mm. our CGI game. Yeah. And let's just see them laughing very nastily in the lodge again for old time's sake. You know, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. But like you're saying, though, it's like, is it like what, what is the real purpose of us needing that? Because- if you know the story and you've gone into it knowing that, you, I don't think you need that. I would need to see a check-in of Mr. C making sure that Bob was still there. Yeah. Unless, unless, like we talked about last week, when we were talking about the cell interference yes. and how. Yes. Yeah. And if there's a sp- like something that would hurt like the spirits mm. or something in the jail. So I don't know if it's supposed to mean that, like him saying, oh, phew, okay, you're still here with me. This is like, good. Like yeah. you haven't, like mm. I can still tap into you. Well, Again, I feel like he's only clairvoyant because he's Bob though. So that, <laughs> I don't know what to think about too, it. Because otherwise he's just a doppelganger, which is just kind of a shell of like a it's like Dougie. <laughs> Well, and so that train of thought, you're making me think now, too. Okay, so, and it's it's kind of wacky, but, like, we're coming off of a scene that's talking about stomach contents. Mr. C then says food is coming. If we loop that back to he barfed up all of this stuff, which, like, did he mm-hmm. lose some sort of essence in that process? Like, was part of his magic, like, in all of that vomit or something? And so is this, like, a first check-in where he's like, okay, I'm still all here or something like that? I don't know. Well, let's head let's head to Twin Peaks to see if Turd is still the man. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about Mike Nelson, whose job is to now shit on people with bad resumes, and I'm here for it. Okay, I'm here for it because I was like, Mike Nelson, you, sir, uh, when I use the term glow up, mm-hmm. I don't mean by looks. And I'm so sorry to the actor. This is no shade to you. You still like turd Mike, but I'm talking about a personality glow up, okay? Because if somebody like Steven was in my office and handed me some trash like that, I would have torn him a new asshole mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm here for the tood glow up from Mr. Nelson. I mean, he doesn't right? hold anything back which i'm i'm like okay is does he work at an employment agency like what is this because is he like a headhunter why is he critiquing this resume why is that the point of this interaction you know what i mean i I think he has to be because okay the first time around for some reason i thought he worked in a bank don't ask me why I thought, oh, my God, he works at a bank Mm -hmm. and he's telling Steven you suck. Yeah. No. This time around, I was like, no. Steven, like, gave him a shitty resume and he was like, you're not going to get hired. Anywhere. Like, And I wouldn't give you a reference or anything. So a reference. Right. Okay. So um, that's when I was like, not Mike being like uh, Twin Peaks, like temp temp agent. You know what I mean? Like. (laughs) It, as Maybe. long as he sends the sheriff's department a better temp than that just one time, say that. yeah, he can be redeemed. Okay, yes. <laughs> I mean, I in the moment though, I do always think like the audacity of this man to be giving this resume advice while his desk looks like this. 
Mike has not seen the actual wood of his desk or whatever it's made of, I think, in years. Like, it's covered in papers. Um, I will. I, I Yeah. The only flag that he gets from me is the fact that I was like, sir, can you put your manila envelopes to the side? Stuff the papers in. Let's get organized. Where okay? do you even put a how, coffee cup? Like, how can you tell someone that they have a shitty and not organized resume with your desk looking like that? Mm-mm, okay. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yep. Uh, I guess those that can't do teach. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. No. But, but I agree like, on the desk thing. I was like, what is like, this scene doing, though? I mean, it's setting up the fact that Steven, I guess, isn't so great. But, like, the last time we saw Mike, he was having sex with a 35-year-old in high school. So, like, are we supposed uh, to take our, like, moral uh, lessons from Mike? Like, I just don't understand the setup here, but... Really? Hold on. I have news for you. That Mm -hmm. 35-year-old woman was Nadine, okay? (laughs) Well, I know that. And he wasn't having sex with her. She was having sex with him. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Okay? Great she, way to put it. she was going to pound town, not the other way around. Okay. Right? No, you're right. You're right. I, <laughs> no, I am I'm mistaken. Joking. No, I'm mistaken. <laughs> I'm mistaken. <laughs> All right. But yeah, um, I'm going to let you go on to the other ass reaming that's going to happen. Because I wrote two ass reamings, as Ooh. in like two rides, two ass reamings. We got Steven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, as Mel's alluding to over at the sheriff's department, we meet Doris Truman, who's having a very, what is it? A no good, very bad day. Whatever. She's having uh-huh. a fucking rough day. But before that, though, we do hear that Frank <laughs> speaks a little bit with Harry. It's really not the same, obviously, as having Harry back, but it's kind of, it, it felt good to like know that he was on the other end of that phone call. It felt good that he cares about his brother. Not that there has ever been any doubt about that, but right. I loved hearing him say, okay, and when do you get the results from those tests? And, like, I mean, it's, like, just such a wonderful way to keep Harry, like, the character of Harry alive, yeah. but him not be in the show. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, listen up and just like that. This is how you do it. We don't need text messages from fake Samantha, okay? <laughs> This I is how you cannot even. I can't. <laughs> nope. But anyway, yes, like I, I just love that he's just just talking to his brother. Yeah, you know, it's, nice. it's it makes me kind of I'm sorry, hold on. <laughs> Subway napkins at the ready. Well, it's sad because <laughs> Harry's sick and I, I fucking know. hate it. I know. You know what I, I mean? Like yeah. oh, but it's so okay. but you're right. It's so simple. It's such an easy way to keep him, quote unquote, in the show. It feels like we get to check in on him. It's just a really sweet moment. Now, yeah. shifting gears wildly, we meet Doris Truman. And <laughs> I mean, I think on our first time around, we both really empathized with this woman. How do you feel this time around? Do you feel, what are you I feeling? I think she needs to pump her fucking brakes. Mm, okay. Okay. Now, listen, do I, am I married to Frank Truman? No. Do I know oh. about Frank Truman's home life? No. Should I take cues from the way that Doris is speaking to him in this moment? I still think no. Because oh. I think that Doris, I, feel, I, I empathize with her in a sense of like all the things that's going on. Somebody is fucking, Dwight has diarrhea. The twins are coming. Somebody's in the upper cupboard. I don't know who <laughs> or what that means. The pipe's leaking. 
What about the black mold? What about her dad? What about the fucking car? She's been waiting around all day waiting on her dad to call for a fucking ride. Pump your brakes, ma'am. Take it one step at a time, okay? I think you're having a really rough day. Mm -hmm. And I think that poor Frank is just on the receiving end of your verbal diarrhea, okay? (laughs) Perhaps. It's the car thing that really got me. Like, Frank... If the car was looked at, why did you not communicate that with Doris? Why did you not fucking call her and tell her that? Because maybe she wouldn't be down at your office right now causing (laughs) such a fucking stink because at least she'd have one thing on her fucking list for today that was crossed off. Okay, not a death trap of a car. See, I still am like, Doris, tell him. Yes, Doris, please tell him all the things. I, I don't know. I've always just felt really bad for Doris. And I think it's also... Frank's reaction. And you know what? You're the way you're looking at this is so smart and nuanced and I should take a page out of your book because it's like I am irritated with Frank's non-response, but like maybe that's the way he has to deal with Doris because maybe this is a constant thing from Doris and like feeding into this is never going to get them anywhere. So like you're right, we don't know their home life. We have no fucking idea. So I don't know. Also, I think I was looking for more Harry and Frank mm. to me wanting a little more of a reaction mm. or a response from him because I feel like if that had been Harry, unless to dare say Josie or something, like I feel like Harry would have been on top and he would have been like, oh my God, you know, oh, I didn't text you because this came up, but like everything's okay. She would have had so I, many maybe, neck kisses by the middle of that conversation. Well, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I just want to know who's in the cupboard. Like, this has bothered me since the first time Mm -hmm, around. mm -hmm. I was like, but who's up there? The cat? (laughs) The dog? Um, Do you have another person in your home that is up in a cupboard and won't come down? I mean, that's so creepy to think about. Is your dad in the cupboard? Who's in the cupboard? Poor dad. (laughs) This is, like, if there's anything, and you know it's going to be me that's going to get hung up on something so trivial as that, where I'm like, I'm sorry. Who's in the cupboard? <laughs> I think I think we should keep an eye on this though as we move through. And I think I think we can come up with somebody that was in their cupboards eventually in these 18 okay. parts. I think we can do that. We're gonna I stay on we cupboard can. watch. Well, let's take a trip to Las Vegas where the Jones family is getting ready for school and work and Dougie is acting weird as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dougie. Yeah. At least this... the tie is not on his head anymore. No, he got the tie on right this time. <laughs> I well, no, it's just hanging there. Well, at least, but at least it's there. It's not around his head. (laughs) Yes, correct. Yeah, (laughs) I, I always miss the finer details of this scene, and I always have to rewind to get like the okay. He won four hundred twenty-five thousand. Call them from work. Set up a meeting. We'll pay them the fifty k. Because every time I see this scene, I'm so captivated by the tear down Mr. D's face. Like it's so beautiful. All I could focus on was him and Sonny Jim in that moment. Yeah. What is making him so sad at that moment? Like with Sonny, 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 <laughs> Sonny, Sonny Jim. With Sonny Jim. Like, so the camera like focuses in and out while we're looking at Sonny Jim in the car. Uh, and then we have like that weird blink that Sonny Jim yeah. does. But like, what is it? I think we. I started talking about this. Last week with this, like, 
so wholesome like yeah. relationship that Dougie or Mr. D is like having with Sunny Jim. And Sunny Jim is so reciprocal of this. And we talked about it being maybe because Dougie wasn't the greatest father and now he's just got somebody that he can just tell is different. But yeah. like there's obviously more layers and I guess going to be more that uh, to it. But like, is he crying because of how sad Sonny Jim looks sitting in that car? Like, what is it? And also to compare it just slightly to the scene we just had with Doris and Frank, yeah. because I feel like Janie is doing the same thing to Dougie. She's not yelling at him about stuff. She's just like, okay, here's your list of things to do. Like, blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, is he crying because he's like, oh my God, <laughs> this is my life. But no, I think it's like whatever it is the other socket. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> Where would I be? But like whatever it is with Sunny Jim, and I, and it makes and it makes me tear up because I'm thinking, my God, like what is what is Mister D thinking like right now? I mean, you know, like, part of me has always wondered if it's like because to me later at Lucky Seven we get this like seemingly lucid moment from Cooper. And I wonder if he's coming through a little bit here, too. Like, he sees this little boy. He, I mean, he's surrounded by this family that this other man had that he has stepped into. And we know that Cooper always wanted to have a family to settle down. So, like, is there part of him that's coming through that's like, oh, my God, I have it or or this other man has it or, like, I've missed it. Like, I've missed out on so much of life yeah. or, like, something like that. And also, is it, like, this also level of like um, empathy or like an empath yeah. part of, of him to where there's obviously something sad about Sonny Jim, but he can feel it so much in himself yeah. that then he, but then he also like tears up at it. I don't know. It's just the way that Sonny Jim seems so sad, but he then does. we see the tear come out of Cooper or mm-hmm. Mr. D. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like we see the tear come out of him though. And yeah. so it's just like, Oh, that's a good point. Oh. I like that. It makes me cry, though, because I'm like, oh, yeah. Mr. D, you're such a sweetheart. I really like that because we've always said that Cooper was so intuitive. And so, yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Well, still in Las Vegas, but over in Rancho Rosa, Dougie's car is very popular. <laughs> I mean, basically all this that, is is just that's it. two people check it. Well, two sets of people checking in on Dougie's car. Still in Las Vegas, we had to Lucky 7 Insurance, where Dougie works, and hilarity, of course, ensues wherever Mr. D goes, but we also get a moment of seeming lucidity from Cooper as he somehow knows that his coworker is lying. Oof. So good. So good. Well, first of all, you got me on this whole, now I'm clocking every time someone says dream, Mm. but of course- you know, he's like, Dougie, you in dreamland? Hello. And yeah. I was like, yes, he is. Help him out. Yeah, I wanted to correct that because I think in the spoiler section I said, oh, Dougie, you're back from dreamland. But he says, are you off in dreamland again, Dougie? So right. still dreamland, but whatever. Yeah. 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 Oh, And yeah. we do get this in, like this one-off line from almost a Jade because I wrote Jade in my notes earlier and then I found it and I was like, oh, Jade gives three rides, but it's <laughs> Janie E. And she does say, oh, I think you're having one of your episodes. So mm-hmm. we don't get much more from that, but it is at least something towards this idea of like, okay, why is nobody helping Dougie? Just putting it yeah. out there. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, like I suppose he's known to 
be airheaded right. or scatterbrained yes. or maybe something worse. We are not worse, but like a medical. I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe something like that later on down the road. But yeah, like obviously there's a reason why no one is super, super concerned that he seems so very different than he was yeah. just a few days ago. Exactly. Yeah, and then, I mean, he basically is lured into this building by Phil and his eight cups of very empty coffee cups, by the way, Ugh. but uh, following this cup coffee. And it's so funny because, like, the way Phil holds these eight cups is so ridiculous. And then Kyle McLaughlin takes one, and I instantly believe that it's been filled with coffee all of a sudden. Like, he's just so much better at managing that one cup. It's... Yeah. yeah, I do love, though, that he took Frank, which we talked about Frank, mm-hmm. obviously, already. Mm-hmm. But all I wrote in capitals was Frank. And I was like, Frank Truman? Yeah. We've talked about this so many times, too, about how there's characters with the same names, like, in so many places. And so I was like, I love it because like, you cannot make out the names on I tried very hard to check the names on all the other cups, and they're just slightly turned so much, but just like right. Frank is like right yeah. there in the elevator. And Mr. D doesn't know this, but like we know that Frank is now the sheriff of Twin Peaks. And so I don't know, just in the audience or as a viewer, you're like, oh my God. Yes. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the real, the real takeaway from this scene though is this interaction between him and Anthony Sinclair where, you know, so he works at an insurance company. They're laying out these claims that they've gotten and all of a sudden Dougie sees or Mr. D. I don't know. I feel like we're going to be interchanging all of these different (laughs) names. So whatever. It's okay. But he sees a flashing green light on Anthony's face and then just says like he's lying. For me, it's easy to compare it to those flashing symbols that were appearing above the slot machines. But why the green color, I've always wondered. Like, is it the ring? Is it... I don't know. Is it because he's got on a green coat? Right? I really do not know. I mean... Is his coat reflecting off the sun? (laughs) Like, what's happening? (laughs) Right. Like... I don't know. Green means go. Like, I don't know Mm. if it's something. Is it traffic-like related? I have no clue. I like that. So it's similar to how he sees these symbol things above the slot machines, knows to move towards them and use them for some reason. But this time, instead of just doing an action, he actually speaks words that nobody else has said. Like, he's not mimicking anybody he's saying his own thing that's why i keep calling it this like lucid moment because it's so different from what we've seen over these last two and a half parts i guess yeah for sure and also i mean he it's the look on his face too like he has this look on his face where uh the input is becoming output in that moment like it doesn't feel blank or it doesn't I don't think it's meant to appear that way. I think it's meant to appear like, oh, I'm having a thought. This is my thought. And now I can say it. Like, we, you know, I guess it in some roundabout way is coming back to us somehow. And well, it's like, it's kind of like you said before, all these different facial expressions that Kyle McLaughlin is using for these different characters. I mean, he he looks different in that split second. He looks like Cooper. Yeah. But then because of this, uh, Mr. D gets to play the homework game and bring home some case files. (laughs) I mean, and take note, Mike, this is what a clean desk looks like, okay? Ooh, Bushnell's office is nice. That is a nice office. Yeah. Right? Okay. (laughs) 
He also, Dougie does get stuck on the word agent. Probably another one of those moments where people first time through are like, oh shit, this is it. Here comes Cooper. But no, 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 no. Yeah, that was me. (laughs) I'm sure so many people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, he has to pee again, and he still needs some help figuring out how to go pee. I don't know how he's not just peeing his pants. Like, how does he then know to, like, take his pants down? (laughs) Not in a gross way. I wanted to see, though, because, like, what he does next. Because who's guiding him towards the urinal and doing all the How does he know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's like a newborn baby. Now we're in the potty training phase. Like, we got to put some Cheerios uh, in there for training. him to aim. <laughs> yeah. How are you getting it into the toilet? You're in the ladies' room, too. You're not in a urinal. Oh, Did my you God. Put the true. <gasps> oh, no. This coworker has made it worse for the next woman. Yes. Definitely. Special place no in hell for her. She's dealing with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, over at the Silver Mustang Casino, uh, we meet the owners, the Mitchum brothers, uh, and they are not very pleased with the manager who was on duty during Mr. D's winning streak. These guys seem kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they beat that poor guy up. Like, I mean, like, I don't know, like, from personal experience, because I've never hit a jackpot in a casino, but, like, from all the movies or things that you've, like, seen, you know, with how people are when people win in casinos, like, yeah, like, this is just so spot on that it would be, like, he hit that many jackpots. Yeah. Like, I, I'm surprised he didn't get, like, his hand cut off or, like, you know, his fingers, like, cut off or whatever. Like, that guy should just be glad that he lost his job and got beat up. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. I didn't know that it was, like, that serious, but... 30 jackpots does seem like a lot. I guess that's enough well, for... Well, 425000 Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that's enough for somebody to think, like, you were in on it. Otherwise, how is this going down? Like, because we know, like, yeah. Mr. D wasn't just getting lucky. Like, he did have help. It was just, like, supernatural help. But um, yeah. what yeah. sticks out to me for the first time ever, actually, on this watch was the three women dressed in pink. They're kind of, like, flapper-type outfits, I guess you could say. But they're, like, mm-hmm. they're just chilling against the wall, not really, like, noticing the violence that's happening in front of them. One of them's kind of even smiling in a little bit. It's another non-responsive type of reaction, type of attitude. But then when they when the camera angle turns and they're, like, escorting the manager out, where'd these chicks go? Because they are not there anymore. I don't know. So were they ever there? I don't know. Right? (laughs) They seem out of place for sure. To me, I think costume-wise, they're almost reminiscent of like old Vegas in some way. That's better than flapper. Maybe. Yeah. But but along the same lines, like a very costumey um like look for a woman. But yeah, like, like they'd be serving drinks in like they a would 1930s. Be cocktail waitresses. Yes. Yeah. And they are so, I mean, I guess you could explain it away by saying the Mitchums are are bad news bears and they're just used to seeing them being violent. Yeah. So they're kind of like, huh, you know, file my fingernails while this happens. Yep. But it, it's not that kind of nonchalant. It's almost like a weird, like they're just there. But not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm with you on They're that. They're very set dressing in this yeah. scene. Yeah. But part of the scene. Yeah. Like yeah. part of the like, scene. They're like they're just not like one of those walls was full of camera of uh TVs, you know, for their cameras in the yeah. casino. And then the other wall was just these three pink uh like Lames. orbs. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. not even not <laughs> even humans, like three pink shapes. They were holograms. <gasps> I guess I we'll know. find out. I don't know. We'll have to wait yeah. and see. So then over in Rancho Rosa, a couple of carjackers are burnt to a crisp when they attempt to steal Dougie's car. But honestly, they had it coming after being so mean to that poor little saltine-eating boy. Okay? I know. They threw a fucking rock at this kid? First of all, why? <laughs> he was running away. Like, he... He uh, don't... No. There was no reason for that. No reason. Like... <laughs> <laughs> in so my notes, stupid. I have meanies in capital letters. I, mean, I don't even like haters. kids that much, but like, I care about this kid. <laughs> I care about this kid too. And it is so do. weird. Well, first of all, the immediate danger that you know this child, well, as if you didn't know it already by right? his in-home life, the <sighs> fact that he's wandered out and it's kind of like there's explosives and he's just kind of like checking it out and all you're thinking is, oh my God, this Things gonna explode and this poor kid's gonna die. Right? The way uh, he's like these... gesturing under the car, yes. like playing around with it. Yeah. And then these guys are total dicks to him. But then also the way that his mom is when he when he comes back in, it's like the explosion like woke her up out of her stupor. <laughs> it was the only <laughs> like... thing that could, I guess. Like she was out. And then oh my that dramatic music as she's waking up. Right. Like, what is the reason? What is that? <laughs> I was so fascinated, and I feel like I've never truly picked up on that before. And if I have, it's something, it's one of those details that has just sort of, you know, fallen to the back of my brain because there's so many more things that need needed to take space in terms yeah. of Twin Peaks. But it's so intense. It's so foreboding. I really thought more was about to happen. Like, I thought she was about to be mad at him or something or – I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is weird, too, because, I mean, you just think about what we know of her so far in general anyway, which is that, I mean, she's, well, we know she's, like, doing drugs and she's not attentive to her child, but then she's also screaming out, you know, 119, and and then the car explodes, and then you have that, like you said, that, that dramatic music with her, like, coming to, and the way she even, even the look on her face, it's, like, very ominous, like. Yes. Yeah. Like, she kind was mad of, to like, be looked up. away. Like, yeah. It's yeah. like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, I did write here that the 119 mom is maybe away in her own dreamland a little bit. Uh, yeah. That would be a nice way to put it, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, we'll make a quick stop at a car wash in Vegas to see that Jade puts the Great Northern Key in a mailbox. Also, she has great nails. Uh, yeah. She's looking good. Listen, I love that Jade is just known about town. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, like, the car wash guy's like, you got a John from Washington. Right? I mean, like. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, Jade is known. Good for okay. her. Like, yeah. Oh, great for her. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm just like, huh. And the, the. The repertoire or, like, whatever, like, just between, like, the way that I guess she knows the car wash right. guy so well yeah. also. I'm just like, this is wonderful I for know. Jade. She's got contacts. She's got the guy that washes her car. Like, she is just a woman about town. She seems okay? very successful. She seems very well liked. I 
she she's I mean, it's just a small part. You can't really say that David Lynch and Mark Frost changed the game for the way sex workers are represented, but at least there's that. You know, like But I I feel like kind of so because let's think about the sex workers at One Eye Jacks versus how we see Jade. Yeah. And what I mean by that is it's not we don't, Jade is not represented as just a scantily clad nope. at a at a bar like I mean we have seen her men's. naked but no but I'm but saying like like her specific like she's not the the women at One Eye Jacks were there for one reason only yeah Jade yeah like she's a she's a successful sex worker and she's a in She's in possession of her whole body and she's got like, she's her. Does that make sense? Sure. Like, But I also, I think she's yeah. important because she mails the key back. Like that's. Well, obviously. Without yeah, saying yeah, anything yeah, more. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think you need to know more to know that that's pretty cool that she does that. And that's going to mean something. Right. Yeah. I guess I'm just glad that we didn't see uh her portrayed in like the typical sex worker way sure. that we normally see yeah. these types of characters portrayed yeah right like 100 all right well back in twin peaks we get our first sighting of the double r norma is there shelly is there toad is there though it's not the chess wizard you're thinking of uh, and there's even a young woman making all the wrong choices when it comes to love so you know it's a tuesday in twin peaks all I wrote in capital letters was toad, not toad, <laughs> because this is, this is spiral lesser toad 2.0. Okay. Uh, when she said toad, I, I don't know how I, I don't remember this from the first time around. Okay. So immediately in all capitals, I wrote toad. toad. But when I saw toad, I was like, no, delete, no, delete, delete, not delete, delete. my toad, <laughs> not my toad. Okay. Hashtag not my toad. Uh, I know. And Becky, listen, she, I will still, I still got all of these feelings of her being the modern day, but in, in a different way, Laura Palmer. I mean, like, yeah, we don't see sure. her in high school, but she's tangled up with drugs with Steven, who has, you got your ass reamed out by Mike. You're at the lowest of the low, yep. sir. Okay. Yep. And like but, you got I mean, $72 from your mom and you're like, I'm going to take you out to dinner. Like, like pay a Becky, bill, guys. Come on. Do better. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. Like we might not have known if Mike was speaking the truth earlier in that scene, but I think we get enough like based on Steven's attitude here yeah, it's the wanting to just, first of all, it's like the third time that she's gotten money from her mom, like in this two-week span or week span or something. They're going to use it to go out on the town. That's a bad move. The way that he talks to her, the fact that they're doing drugs, the fact that he did, I mean, like, you know what? Do your drugs. I don't really care, actually. But the fact that you did all of the drugs today because you had job <laughs> interviews and you think you got good feedback, you did too many drugs today, Stephen. No, he's a liar. Well, it's okay, yeah. I, I, I think that he's just point blank lying to I got some Becky great because fucking feedback. I was like, mm -mm. right. What? Yeah, I'm like, yes, 
okay, it's not good that you did all the drugs today. But also in that moment, I was like, you're also a fucking liar Mm -hmm. because you know you didn't get good feedback today. But you also know that Becky is like going to bat with you or for you. And he's like, he's just stringing her along by trying to make it seem like he's doing so much better than he is. I think that's a good take. Yeah. Like, oh, I had to do all these drugs today to celebrate. To celebrate what? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing here for me is just the fact that like, it it is happening again. Cycles, loops, things repeating Mm -hmm. themselves. I mean, Norma and... Almost a Donna? No. <laughs> uh, Norma and okay. Shelly almost say as much. Like when Norma's like, if you don't help her now, it's just going to be more difficult later. Shelly's like, we know what that's all about, right? So I think that that is a huge part of this season. The fact that when we go back to Twin Peaks, it's like, it's the same. And that's nice. But but is it nice that it's so similar? Like, is it nice that people haven't moved on or that they're making, like, shouldn't they be making better choices? I don't know. Like, yeah. It's just the cycle. And this is why I will always argue that Twin Peaks is a small town and it does not have 50,000 people in it. Because this is, this feels so small town, like USA with cyclical, like, behaviors of the people that live there, you know? Mm -hmm. And you can have a great mother like Shelly. I mean, we're assuming she's been a great mother, but I don't. I can't. I can't. Ass- I don't see Shelly being anything but a great mother to Becky. And so that's why you. That's what I want to believe. That's why I say. But that's why I say it's the cycle of like it doesn't matter. It's like you're in this place where right. these situations are going to pull you in. Well, and you're also because in of Twin the Peaks, because of the you place. Know? Like that's what I'm yeah. exactly because of where you're at. Yeah, yeah. I mean. We had all oh, what's his little Danny Craig, right? That OD'd from like synthetic little drugs. Danny so I'm Craig, like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh my god, Becky, mm-hmm. don't do those drugs. Obviously, there's bad drugs going around Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, I just I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely it. solidifies what Shelly was saying at the end of part two to her friends. Like, I know she's with the wrong guy. And for some reason, yeah. everybody seems to like Steven or think he's a good dude. I don't know if he just does enough drugs where he can come off more charismatic or some shit, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. I will say, though, he does have a good joke about, I'm going to buy you some bread because I heard you've been needing it all day. I mean, that shit I mean, is yeah. good. I laugh. <laughs> I laugh. I laugh. Yeah. yeah. This is one redeeming quality. <laughs> this episode had so many jokes in it. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And then it is, it is a cool scene, like when Becky's obviously tripping out and we just get, you know, I love how you love me, her big smile. That's when I get the big Laura Palmer vibes, especially yeah. the big mm-hmm. smile. It's like, doppelganger vibes in a way. And then I also noticed that Becky's sweater is gold, very much like Dougie's gold jacket. I don't, I I think I said that in our original coverage. I have no idea what that means, but follow the colors, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was something else about a song that I missed somewhere in here. Now, because now saying I love how you love, oh my God, it's the song at the beginning. I can't believe I didn't say anything. I Am by Blunted Beats that's playing while Lorraine makes that text is such a fucking great song. Ugh. Yeah, it is. My uh, apologies yeah, to yeah. the opening scene. <laughs> I did you dirty? Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say that even if we forget to mention it, the all of the songs, the soundtrack, the music for The Return is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Yeah. 
So easy to listen to on repeat. That's for sure. All right. Well, back at Lucky Seven, Dougie is riding the elevator backwards again. But what might have been cute earlier that day hits differently when it's quitting time and people want to just go (laughs) the fuck home. (laughs) Like, listen, I might be a very terrible person because I all I could think in that moment was I would have been like, will you fucking turn around, Dougie? That's what I'm saying. Like, I think earlier in the day, you're just getting to work. You're like, oh, my God, what is this guy doing? That's hilarious. But you're like, I need to get the fuck out of here because I'm going home. Like, I still have to pick the kid up. I still have to make dinner. You know I'm going to have to do some laundry or some shit. So there's like, get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long day at the office. I don't want to see it. Yeah. Nope. And then he, I mean, he makes his way outside, Mr. D does, and he just starts staring at this statue of, like, basically, like, kind of a cowboyish kind of dude. Yeah. And there's a red balloon. Mm -hmm. I still don't know the significance, but I was like, what? It wasn't there earlier when he got to work. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) I don't know if 119's balloon floated over to the place. (laughs) Interesting. Oh, actually, wait, were they there before? Because there is like a structure that has all those balloons on it, right? Or is that just in this scene? Because I did, I was looking at it and I was like, that kind of reminds me of Zero from Nightmare Before Christmas. Because it's like a white structure and there's more than one balloon, but. Oh, crap, is it? Because I thought the wall of balloons was later, but I guess. It might have been when he does first arrive at work, but I didn't, I didn't know that. Okay. I Maybe that's what be on it was, and now watch, we're down. So. Oh, well, obviously not <laughs> not that well. And maybe it's down to one now. Oh, but it doesn't oh. like zero. Over at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, Andy and Hawk look through case files. And there's no Andy. And that's it. <sighs> like, uh, I mean, I don't know how Hawk has, a, a, again, the taller. Love you, Andy. I do not know how he hasn't, like, punched him in the face yet. I mean, they've just known each other for so long, I guess. I guess. I'm not going to try to write this because he needs to stop saying that. (laughs) I agree. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's head to a trailer in the woods of Twin Peaks where Dr. Jacoby has transformed into Dr. Amp. And Mel's, I got to ask you, it's seven o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? Um, I just wrote, yes, Dr. Amp <laughs> and the Harry Potter snitch flashlight. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's so true. <laughs> the wings of the yeah. flashlight look just like the golden snitch. Okay. Obviously, I know all of the words that Dr. Amp has said in this scene. And I obviously know that he's like pandering to conspiracies and um, all of these types of things. But there is just something Honestly, I would be watching Dr. Amp. I don't know if I would be, if I would be buying into anything that that man has to say. Right. But it's like, I mean, coming through what live and electrified or whatever. I mean, like his presence is just so oh, yeah. not Jacoby. And that's what I love. Like, he's just this whole new person. And I just live for Dr. Amp. Every little thing, like cutting on the light in the Statue of Liberty, like the flashlight, and then cut into his commercial. Uh, it, it is so good. And I, there's that meme that floats around, and it is so true. And it's like me not trying to get political at like the dinner <laughs> table. And then it's like five drinks later, the fuck's yes. had it again. <laughs> 
I don't know if it's just because of that one line, but I live for this scene he, with Dr. Ann. He puts on an incredible <laughs> show. Honestly, I think we can probably take some tips and pointers. I mean, all of these things that he has going on, it's it's an incredible <laughs> show. He's practiced this several times, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I was like, the production value Ooh. is great here. Yes. I mean, I think <laughs> I would be watching it simply for that fact because it's so theatrical mm-hmm. and it it is such a... It's just like a, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. Like, I don't think you ever would have thought, okay, Dr. Jacoby got a shipment of shovels. Now he's spray painting them gold. None of that was ever one plus one equals two into Dr. Amp's show. Like, I don't think anybody could have ever guessed that that's where we were going. I do think he's a little bit of a snake oil salesman with those gold shovels, though. Like, I don't know that he's got it all figured out, but... Excuse me. He's definitely that. Because I wrote in here, not allow two to four weeks for delivery at 20, <laughs> what, $29.99. Mm-hmm. A $30 shovel that I need to wait a four weeks for. I think you need to up your game, sir. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why, but I paused on the commercial and I was reading Ugh, every bit of information so in that commercial. Good. It is classic infomercial, like font yes. and styling and yeah it reminds well, me of like disip- a clr do you remember that cleaner that commercial that i was used yes. to come on that's exactly what it reminds me of <laughs> and i love the graphics of the sh- the shit disappearing mm-hmm. i just was like <laughs> sold where do i get the shovel i mean <laughs> it's yeah like i said he puts on one hell of a show and the script he's written is really great but but yeah i mean He's a conspiracy theorist at best, I guess. Like, well, it's funny because this time around, I was really like taking in everything that he was saying. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, the man, like, I had to pause a few times to really like think about because it was rapid spitfire. But I mean, sure, I think I, I not I think, I mean, I do agree with like the part he when he was talking about our chemicals and our food yeah. so that's the thing yeah. like i felt like he had great points but then also like there was weird patriot shit sprinkled yes. in where i was like mm, yes like I sure don't know about that it's part, great advice but... to, read, to read the ingredients or to like think critically about what we're being sold but also like what the shovel though like i don't think we need that yeah to do that. But that's like, what I'm saying. Like, you're telling us to check what we're buying yes, while you sell yes. us a, a shovel that you have spray-painted gold, I mean, sir. I think it's a great commentary <laughs> on so many things out there that are like that. I mean, even just coming from, like, it feels like a different lifetime, but I was in, like, the health and wellness field. And so much of that is so fucking fake and bullshit. And it's like, just do this, be all natural, organic, blah, 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 blah. And then you see what they're like actually pushing. And you're like, you don't believe in any of this shit. It's the bottom line. It's the it's the dollar for you. Like uh-huh. nothing else matters. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. good commentary for sure. Interesting to see who's watching him, though. I'm sure you were very excited. I mean, it made me want a milkshake so I could sit and watch Aww. Dr. Amp while I have a milkshake, too. It still felt like the very first time I saw her again in the return. I, well, pardon the pun, I got so amped up. Ooh. And I was like, but of course Nadine would be so into you. Like, 
I think if we even take out the fact that Dr. Jacoby, like, helped her relive her or get through her trauma by going back to high school. Like, even if we take that out, like, the fact that Nadine is really into Dr. Amp, I think is very fitting because Nadine was trying to make silent drapes for a very long time. But outside of all of that, um, Wendy Roby... So much more beautiful 25 years later than when I saw her originally. And I was just so happy to see her. I love her so much. I mean, you know me and my Nadine. Mm -hmm. She's a love of my Twin Peaks life. So Well, it's so nice to see. Go ahead. I was going to say, also Jerry was watching. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it's, I don't know. I love that little detail of who Dr. Amp's fans are in Twin Peaks. It was really great to see that we have somebody like Nadine and somebody like Jerry. I love it. Okay, I don't know if you felt this way. Perhaps it was just me. But like when I was watching Nadine watch Dr. Amp, it was full of like, she's totally buying this and totally like, but when I was watching Jerry watch Dr. Amp, it felt very entertainment value because he was like, oh, well, I know what I'm, you know, smoking or what, yeah. like as he's like lighting up the joint or what, like I know what I'm intaking or what. So do you, like, it's, it's funny. You're right. Like the audience that Dr. Amp has, but the way I felt like it's being interpreted so differently between yeah. Nadine and like the reasons why they're watching for Nadine and Jerry. I think so too. Yeah. All right. Well, we take a quick trip to the Pentagon where it's revealed that those military restricted fingerprints that Buckhorn PD was looking into belong to none other than Major Garland Briggs. Oh my God. I got chills for two reasons. A, obviously because of what we learned yeah. about how many times yes. these prints have had hits over the past 25 years and that and obviously dun 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 that they're garland's mm-hmm. prints um but also that winston the ghostbuster <laughs> now works for the pentagon Very i was cool. like uh thank you yeah. i'm so i feel so much better that this world is being guarded in the pentagon by a ghostbuster yeah makes me feel great. yeah i sleep a lot better <laughs> at night for sure <laughs> <laughs> um why? Why has Garland's prints been hit so many so times? So many times. He's 16 times in like, 25 years. Yeah. 16 times in 25 years. And he's been dead, though, for 25 years, according to Bobby. Yep. It's a Where, lot. What I want to know is, obviously, we know this time that the prints have a body that are yeah. attached to it. These other times that they were hitting, though, what? How was there a body? Was there not? A, like how? Oh my god, I want to know so bad. It, it. I mean, it's such a short scene, and it raises so many questions, which is like very Twin Peaks, right? So yeah. All right. Well, at the Roadhouse, we meet an absolute dick, and that's all I have to say all about right. this fucking trash bag of a human. This dumpster fire that's masquerading as a human being. That's what he is. Well, first of all, what I didn't appreciate was the fact that I had my mentor, my role model, Alanis. Mm. All I could think of was it's like it's like your no smoking, no smoking sign on your cigarette. Right. But this asshole is actually smoking. Mm. Okay, Mm -mm -mm. that was like, oh, 
you're so cool. Like, you're trying way too hard, buddy. You had to sit right next to the no smoking sign. Come on. I hated everything about it yeah. anyway, but I hated that he was doing it. And then, like, it obviously is a group of younger girls at the other booth. Yeah. And so they're kind of like, ooh, we're going to smoke too. But then also, like, for obvious reasons, the way that he treats poor Charlotte when she goes over to ask mm. for a light. But it's just so fucking gross. And I hate it. Also, he's working with Chad, who's the grossest person at the sheriff's department. Yeah. So, so we yeah. learn. Yeah. So, I mean, Chad aligning himself with this guy definitely shows us that he's not just a dick as far as, like, making fun of the log lady. Like, he's much more sinister than that. So, as far as setting that up, it's well done, right? Like, I mean... It's it's shitty. I don't want to hang out with Chad, but it's, like, well set up. Yeah, but it's, I mean, just in general, it's a really tough scene. Not it. much to say. Yeah, he's just an asshole, so. Well, actually, this is, we should say this. Like, her friends only do so much. And once again, to me, it's, like, a very passive response. Like, they yell at him. But, I mean, if there's three of you, why are you not running over there and trying to pull her away? I can't explain it other than if, unless they're scared of him, which well, that does sure, not. I mean, but, yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, I try to think about if I were, I don't know their age, but younger or whatever. I would, I would like to think in my heart that I would try to save the day with my friend, but also I don't know if you're so scared. Like, think about the vile things coming out of his mouth and the way that he's like choking her and all this other. Like, I, I don't know in that help. moment. Are you? Well, I know, but also, I this might go without saying, but you're also in a very crowded place. Like, why? Why isn't again, again, anybody it's like doing anybody? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, even if one of them screamed help, would anybody hear? That's what I mean. Yeah. Like it's it's like I talked about last time. Like they did a little bit, but they didn't really take the rest of those steps to like see it through. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just building more of a case of like complacency and yeah. All right. Well, Agent Tammy Preston compares the fingerprints of Dale Cooper and Mr. C. They're in South Dakota, right? But like, so she's got unless a they flew set back. Up. Like, I don't know. Oh, that's true. Maybe they're back because I was sitting here thinking like. I guess I can understand you having a makeshift cubicle like at the police department or something while you're studying what's going on. But you have your nameplate with you, Timmy. Like, right. do you yeah. travel with <laughs> Can that you imagine? <laughs> I think they must but have flown back. Yeah. They had to have because the cubicle just felt too personal. <laughs> I was going to say maybe this isn't happening in order, but it must be because they have the prints from Mr. C. And they have the picture. Right. Yeah. Which we, we should the, say it does definitely look like at least one of the prints is a total mirror image as if it was backwards, like the law. Yes. Yeah. Well, speaking of Mr. C, it's time for his very private phone call. Uh, and when he gets it, he decides to put on one hell of a show for all the cameras recording him. Yeah, speaking of calculator machines, I mean, yeah. this fool <laughs> went to town on that fucking phone. Yes. Like, I used to go to town on, like, the um, calculators that had the tape. Uh, the, like, the okay. little adding machines. Yes. Those were so much fun. You would have you thought this man was inventing the wheel. The way he was tapping 
looking, tap, 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 look. He had so much work to do. (laughs) I could not. It's supposed to be serious. I could not stop laughing. I don't know. I I think it's supposed to have a comedic edge. And if it's not, then we are the two people that think so. I don't know. (laughs) Like, to me, it's funny. I feel like maybe it's supposed to be like you, maybe you're like wondering what he's doing or like oh my god like how is he doing this kind of like how the warden is like what did he just do yeah but for me i'm just laughing the whole time because i'm like this is utterly ridiculous it's like if, yeah. that, I, if i was that warden i would have been like on the intercom and i would have been like can you stop that and hang up <laughs> and try again sir please okay? stop mashing the keypad with your fist can you just do something mm. real we don't yeah we don't have long distance can you please stop <laughs> dialing on those numbers <laughs> it is truly I mean, ridiculous though whatever he's doing i mean i was like okay he's conjuring up something he's doing some kind of spell he's got to like hit all the right dial tones at the exact like right moment to like hit a frequency or something but i mean you would have expected like smoke to start pouring out from that thing and for him to like light on fire because it was yeah it was so ridiculous it was just the it was the speed at which those fingers yes, were moving. Yeah, <laughs> I even have in my notes. He's pretending to look smart on his calculator. <laughs> that, okay, that's I swear. Like that's why I'm saying I'm sure the scene is not supposed to be funny because of the way that everybody acts in the control room. But I'm here to tell you, I I literally would have been like, <laughs> stop that. I'm gonna give you Spray one more time with a water bottle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think the fear sets in once like all of the alarms start going off and you're like, how the fuck did he do that? Because clearly he's doing something like super darkly magical here. But yeah, by the time he disarms things and has the alarms going, then I'm like, okay, that's creepy. Like, how has he done this? What is he masterminding here? But then he says the cow jumped over the moon and it's back to funny guy territory. Like to me, this whole scene is very comedic. I don't know. Are we the, really the only two people that find this comedic? People, please weigh in. Please let us know. Like, please let us know because I'm just wondering if we're just that twisted. To like, like, and now nursery rhymes? What is now nursery rhymes, Mr. C? Like, what is this kindergarten? That's what I'm saying. Like, little boy blue. Are we fixing to see cats in the cradle? I love it too that the ward or everybody's like, did you catch his phone call? And I'm like, he didn't make a fucking phone call. He said a nursery rhyme into the phone. <laughs> okay. Like, Did you see what numbers I, he dialed? No. No. <laughs> he wasn't dialing. No. It was jibber jabber. Okay. I mean, I still. He was putting on a magic show. Yes. That's what it is. He's doing some sort of magician's act, which, I mean, I'm totally here for. Like, I really love this scene, no matter how funny I think it is. Sure. Yeah. Like, but Something's I, happening here. And I think we can connect it to what's happening next, right? Like, we get this establishing shot of Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, We go back to what I'm assuming is the same little black box from before with Lorraine. It flashes its little red lights again, twice again, uh, before dissolving into what looks like a rolled up ball of tinfoil. Yeah, it looks like a silver. I put a silver object, which obviously with Argent being silver, but you know what, though? This is probably crazy and me just trying to connect, like, this little box. But, like, it's in some weird way, I thought to myself, okay, Lorraine 
I don't know how, see, I don't know how this would connect to them, the, those guys in the beginning calling Lorraine and saying that Dougie's car was still there. Like, why that would signal her to turn the transmitter on. Right. But then it's like, now Mr. C somehow knows this and he does all this magic, magic trickery to turn the transmitter off and dispose of it. I don't know how that makes sense, though. I don't <laughs> it, know I, like, either. It's it's almost like she had to turn it on. And, and then all of this magic show that he put on, he was only able to do that because she turned on the transmitter. Mm. And then it's like once he said the magic phrase, the cow jumped over the moon, mm-hmm. It it's like the... Um, get smart where it's like this message will self-destruct it was like that was like it had the transmitter had to self-destruct then but the transmitter is why he was able to do all of this magic calculator stuff i don't know what i'm talking about i don't know no, no, i get what you're saying yeah the connection there i mean it's just so hazy right like clearly there's something but there's i mean we have it's like we have uh, it's it's a 10-point plan. We have point one, we have point 10, but we have no fucking clue two through nine. Right. All right. So, right. yeah. And, and the only other thing, too, is that the way that this black box dissolves, disappears, I don't know what you would want to call yeah. it, but it does remind me of how Dougie's head turned into whatever the fuck that turned into. So, yeah. In the red room, yeah. of course. Oh, also, I'm pretty sure Mr. Strawberry is a dog. I mean, he's not taking calls anymore. But it, it, who is he? If <laughs> he was, know. is he goofy? If he was taking, like, was he working at a, was he a phone operator? Yes, but it's, I'm glad you brought it up, though, because <laughs> Warden Murphy is clearly shaken by yeah. this detail. Yeah, so. So it makes me wonder if that, you know, like, when they were like, when he sees that it, I guess it's a dog leg like I guess maybe that's when he makes a, a connection that it might be his dog's leg Perhaps. I don't know yeah yeah but you know what you're to- nice Mr. C okay mm-hmm. I think you're hot mm-hmm. but this is strike two first was killing was killing Daria okay mm-hmm. strike two the dog is killing the dog you're on the nice I would love to see I would love to see the prequel of who Mr. Strawberry is or if it's a dog that worked at a call center. I really want that prequel. <laughs> I just want to see him in a control room, like, connecting Trying calls. Trying to connect like, calls, but it's days. just all paw. He can't do it properly. Yeah, like, one moment. Hold on. <laughs> you know? Like. They had to create a special, like, uh, board for him so that, you know, he could use his paws oh. instead of, you know, he has no dexterity. He doesn't have thumbs. Poor baby. <sighs> Well, R.I.P. Mr. Strawberry, whoever Rip, rip, Mr. Strawberry. All right, well, we end the episode back at Lucky 7, where Mr. D is coveting the statue's shoes, clearly missing the pair he left behind in the mauve zone. I mean, R.I.P. Coop shoes, too. (laughs) New shoes. (laughs) You know what I just thought of? Yeah. When Mr. Ample is going on his rant, didn't he say, rough, 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 like a dog? Yes. Oh, my God. Like, what if Mr. Strawberry was uh, a production assistant? <laughs> oh, bless. Oh, my God. Hand, that's another hand-to-heart moment. Okay. All right. What if he was... Have you ever seen this in the credits? What if he was the best boy? Oh, I would die. 
What if the sh- what if the episode was dedicated to it? Oh, <laughs> it was dedicated to somebody though. We do have a dedication yes. this episode for yes. Marv Rosend Rosend, uh, who was Toad, the double R cook. Yeah. So, well, I still would have been. Um, so would have been a night, and then also another RIP to Mr. Strawberry. You know what? We should start dedicating the return episodes to somebody in, like, in the episode that we I feel like that. that our epi- episode should be dedicated to. I like to. that. Because so, we did it last week with part, Barbie. Yeah. So part five is dedicated to Mr. Strawberry. Mr. Strawberry, the best boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Amazing. Um, well, if you'd like to, what a great you know, dedicate your own thing writing words stars maybe mm-hmm. you could rate mm. and review us on your favorite podcast platform yes yes if you would like to come hang out with us on socials and let us know if you are twisted like us and you think that mr c was just in there having the time <laughs> of his life call a long distance on the warden's dime you can find us on Instagram uh, at DamnFineTV. I am at Superficial Mels. And I am at DamnFineWitch. And you saying that now made me think that he was also like that Kermit gif where he is just typing away. Like, just oh, furiously yeah. typing. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Like, when you get a, when you fix in a really reply to somebody that's Ooh. pissed you off. <laughs> Maybe he was pissed <laughs> off by Lorraine's text. Uh, hey. Oh, my God. Argent, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, use those social media handles to get in touch with us and let us know what you think. Was Mr. C mad about the text or was he just looking smart on his calculator? Let us know. If you want to hang out with us even more, chat with us on our Discord channels maybe about all of this stuff, then come check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash TV. Lots of fun stuff happening over there. We do fun stuff like monthly hangouts where we sometimes watch Twin Peaks episodes. Like coming up this month, we're going to be watching part eight, which is going to be a great time. So like I said, it's probably going to be passed by the time this, you know, comes out. But that's an example of the type of fun we're having over there. So exactly. So much fun. Yeah. Well, uh, we're obviously heading into our spoiler slash connection section, but anybody not joining us, we'll see you next week for part six. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. And we're back in the spoiler slash connection section. Ooh, oh my God, my your video? camera clicked. Whoa. I feel you, Mr. C. I feel you. Ooh, he's communicating <laughs> with you, girl. Yes. <laughs> Turn me into an Argent Ball, if you will. <laughs> I'll be your Argent Ball, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my All right. gosh. Well, okay. I have nothing. I have a missed connection from last week, and that's it. Let's go ahead and do the misconnection, and then I will just go on a mini rant about Dickhorn. Oh, my God. Perfect. So, so okay. my misconnection actually comes from one of our amazing patrons, Norman, who uh, – so last week when we recorded for part four, our patrons were with us for the recording of that, and then afterwards we did have a little bit of a discussion, and unfortunately, I, I just, like – 
I can't remember if the audio was bad or for whatever reason, I couldn't include this part in our episode. So I wanted to give him credit and bring this up. But he did point out that the slowed down voice of Mr. C when he's like behind that wall and uh, chatting with Gordon, Tammy and Albert sounds very, very much like when Cooper says we live inside a dream in part 17. I don't think we cracked any cases that day during that conversation, but we were all very like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, that's a great connection. So, Norman, shout out to you. Thank you so much for bringing that up. That has been on my mind a lot. And I don't know that I've, you know, it's again, it's like the the 10 point plan. I've got one. I've got 10, but I don't know anything in between. So, yeah, that was great for him to point that out because I. It never dawned on me. So, I mean, and I can't fully say that when we get to part 17, if he hadn't mentioned that, that I would have said, you know what? That sounds like that time that Mr. C was in the jail cell. I don't think so. So really great work, Norman. Yeah. 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 Yep. The only thing that I have to say, and it is so petty. It's not, yeah, it's in the spoiler section because we're going to talk about the um, parentage or whatever of Dick Horn. So we know it's Audrey's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what's up with Audrey yet. Um, we know, which I guess we can talk freely here, but so we know everything about Dick's origins. Like um, Mr. C was very bad to Audrey while she was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then that produced what we saw in the no smoking section of the roadhouse. <laughs> yeah. What kills me or what I still struggle with <laughs> And I think about this at random times during any given day. Yeah. Is Mr. C, he's a doppelganger, but like his sperm has to be Cooper's sperm. I just don't understand how Dick Horn is the way that he is. Like, and this is just me being stupid at I this mean, point. But it just bothers me because when we finally do see him in this episode, all I kept thinking of was there's no way that Dale Cooper's sperm made you, sir. But it's like, like Dale if, Cooper's if it was Dale, sperm mixed with Bob. But that's what I'm saying, though. But I'm like, the sperm is the genetics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, there should be something in there that is redeeming and there's a not about Dick. So you also get that whole like nature versus sure. nurture because who even raised him? I mean, I guess Sylvia, but we, I like, there's so much there, but I still just get so hung up on the fact that, and this is just me being like, and it's not even splitting hairs. It's just, if I ever have the opportunity to have my threesome with David Lynch. <laughs> Afterwards, another question I would ask him is whose sperm produced Dick Horn? Give me the biology class rundown of what's happening here, please. Because if you want me to get real, like the the rabbit holes that my mind goes down, which is why I can't do places like Reddit, is because here I am saying, okay, wait a minute. When we get Cooper back, is that Cooper? Like, who is Mr. C? Like, where are these sperms housed? (laughs) And why did these sperms create? I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess doppelgangers have sperm. I guess. Well, they have to because Audrey had a baby. Exactly. So they must. But I wonder if it's like, okay, so the doppelganger is supposed to be the total evil 
the shadow self. So the thing that's holding all of the darker elements of somebody. So like even those spermsies be dark. I mean, it's just so hard to believe that Cooper has any dark sperms, but that's fine. I mean, I guess I could live with it. But I don't think Cooper does, but his doppelganger does. Well, true. But the... the doppelganger sperm had to come from some. Okay, see, this is why I told you this is just purely a rant from me to where I am like, and now we have doppelganger sperms floating around. What is this, a whole damn town, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes, that's I, the answer. <laughs> I just have to stop myself. But again, like, this all came to me when, you know, we saw Dick, and I was like, I. I still have such a hard time yeah. with with the 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 fathering because in my mind this is almost like an immaculate conception birth hmm. situation with Dick Horn. Well, it it's is a spiritual. Kind of it's not. That, like, it's not a real impregnation if we're looking at it that way. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it is a spiritual impregnation of Audrey Horn. I mean, yes. I agree in the way that, like, the doppelganger's body plus Bob equals very dark magic that is not, it's not like anything else that we know. Him as a physical being is in and of itself. Like, we can't compare it to anything because it's a doppelganger plus this evil spirit. It's not the way it was with Leland. So it's very different in that way. But I never want to take away from the fact that Audrey was raped. Like, oh, never. So, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, no, don't take. And I don't I'm think not, you did but either. No. Right. What I'm trying to say is like, it's some weird, uh, you know, me and my Jesus kick when you talk about like the spiritual impregnation of yeah. Mary to have Jesus. Well, this is like, the satanic or totally. something impregnation yeah. of Audrey yeah. to have the spawn of Satan, right. which is Dick Horn. And of course it would um, come through rape rather than some magical story of how, you know, a, a he didn't touch. need to go to V either. So, or at all. He didn't need to go to V. He did not need to go but to P V. Went, yeah, P went to V this time though. So I guess that's why we got it this mm. way. But anyway, yeah, look, all I guess it's just me trying to be like, and I know... I. Again, we're not even trying to act like Dick Horn has anything to do with Cooper, but like it really it's just so stupid the way that it goes on in my mind because I get irrationally like pissed off to where I'm like, ah, no, I kind of love (laughs) where you've taken this, though, in making Richard Horn like an antichrist figure because he is. But I'm I'm just like I'm really into that, like. Even because, you know, we can think back to last episode when we learned that Dougie was missing for three days. Um, One Cooper goes away, another Cooper comes back. Can we talk about resurrection? Jesus, yeah. You know, Jesus being behind a stone or some shit for three days or whatever the fuck that story is. But but the three-day thing and, and the death and the resurrection, yeah. So why not? Like, why not other religious elements popping up? I mean... Because Dougie did die. Dougie died. Exactly. And Cooper was resurrected exactly. in the real world. Yes. 
And if we really boil it down, Twin Peaks is a story about good versus evil, which is also the Bible. So like... Mm-hmm. Which is also the stand, which is also well, sure. right. Like that's the yeah. core of a really good story yeah. is a good versus evil. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Like how we talked about that with the Judy. Yes. When we talked about the Judy, it's just yeah. you need so, a lot of really weird layers to make it, you know, that much better. But. I'm thinking we need to just go to Perth mm. and just somehow do a bunch put of the leftovers. Do a bunch of God's tongue. <laughs> You know, do some peyote. I don't know. Like, just let's have a good time in Perth. Yeah, let's do it. I think all the answers are there. Oh boy, that's literally all I had. That's not even like it was just me wanting to rant in the spoiler section about dicks. Love it. (laughs) Okay, you wouldn't be you if you didn't rant about dicks somewhere. (sighs) Well, not too shy. Okay, I think it's pronounced tushy. That is not my joke. I have to credit this podcast, Dirty Little Horror. They are so funny. I heard that like I love weeks that. ago. I cried laughing and was like, cannot wait to use. <laughs> okay. Big credit yes. to that pod love because that pod. now you just wait. I'm so gonna good. I somehow use that on Scott yes. and be video. Yeah. Well, if that's all for this week, there's a certain shovel I need to do some research on. And if you need me, I'll be working on a tight five for my show at the morgue this weekend. (laughs) Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. Swear on Satan, I'll do that. That's my headcanon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. (laughs) Wait a minute. And if you're watching TV, I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That was awesome. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) 